Coming up, it's a new episode of Don't Panic. We talk about our favorite podcasts. Microsoft's first cut is the deepest. We also talk about Amazon's all-you-can-eat books, when free isn't really free, and does Airbnb's logo seem a little naughty to you? All that and more coming up on this episode of Don't Panic. Stay tuned. This is Don't Panic, episode number 56, recorded July 24th, 2014. On the death of freemium, all you can read and naughty logos. Hello and welcome back to Don't Panic, the technology podcast on gadgets, the internet, and you, the show that is 100% free. Although, if you want to hear Dan's voice, it's a 99 cent in-show purchase. Uh, I'm Sean Jennings, and I am joined by the Boardwalk and Park Place of Technology. That's a Monopoly reference for the, those of you who watched the show last week. Dan Miller and Colby Ravidu. Guys, how's it going? Pretty good. Now that I know that I'm either the Boardwalk or Park Place. Um, I, ooh, beer. Yeah, I'm drinking this delicious beer, so I'm amazing. It's like the, the Oma Gang Summer Special. It's really good. It's like a really hoppy summer beer. But I, ah, I'm, I'm drinking a rolling lock. Rolling lock. Yes. I pussied out. <laughs> I went with the Snapple half and half. Some of us uh, have to work in the morning. The half and half on top of it all. Yeah, it's not even. It's like not even real Snapple. Watered down Snapple. Yeah. So knock off Arnold Palmer. Delicious. <laughs> uh, how's it feel to be be back, guys? We missed you last week. I like it. I'm glad. I need. I have so much stuff to talk about. So much has happened. It so much has happened. Yeah. But I can only think of one or two things that have all happened in the last week. So. That's neat. But I'm sure Sean will remind us We've of all the other things. We've got a great list of stories. I want to quickly mention, uh, A, to thank every the uh, guest host who joined us last week. If you didn't see it, it was our first ever uh, guest uh, viewer Q&A show. We had some really great questions. I hope some good answers. You should check that out. Uh, our website, don'tpanic.io, has that and all our episodes. And I want to tell everybody, watch us live Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at don'tpanic.io. And tonight, live for the show, we're following hashtag don'tpanicshow. You can tweet at us. Uh, and I may ignore it or talk about it on the show. It's at my discretion. So uh, we recommend you, you hang out, chat with us, give us your feedback live. Uh, we appreciate it. Don't panic.io. Hashtag don't panic show. Uh, hashtag. Uh, where do you guys want to start? I have a question for you, Sean, before okay, we Daniel. get into it. Yes, Mr. Miller. We're talking about podcasts as a medium. Briefly, before we started, what podcast do you listen to? I'm just curious. And maybe the rest of the world is too. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I know what podcast I listen to, obviously, and I kind of like Colby's and I interests are somewhat aligned. But I'd be interested in hearing how his answer has changed since the last time I asked. But you yeah. are a mystery. Let's go around the horn. Um, I <laughs> my podcast tastes are always changing. I'm always dropping ones and picking new ones. At the moment, my big one is the Morning Stream. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's two guys, and they do a show every single morning. Uh, it's kind of like morning radio a little bit, but it's fun, and they bring on guests, and they talk about news stories and entertainment stories, and it's kind of just a fun, uh, goofy show, The Morning Stream. Uh, I recommend that highly uh, on the Frog Pants Podcast Network. I, uh, Windows Weekly is another big one. I think uh, Paul Therott Mary Jo Foley are excellent, excellent podcast hosts, uh, and I love to listen to them on that. And... My other sort of... There are a couple other ones I listen to occasionally. I want to give a shout-out to the the fellow who actually started and runs this next podcast actually watches our show. What? Believe it or not, we have some synergy. Um, oh, man. His name That's is, like the Weird Al song that came out today. His name is uh, Bruce Otter. His show is called Otter King's Media Montage, and the show is... I wouldn't even know how to begin to describe it, but it's sort of a... Uh, pop culture amalgam show where they talk a lot about comic books and movies and pop culture and uh it's a really great Otter king's media montage doesn't tell you everything you need to know you would think you would think <laughs> but uh it's actually one of probably the smartest pop oh, culture no. podcasts i've ever listened to i see an episode on here entitled tank girl the movie yeah which i have seen that movie i watched it and so did uh guest alumnus TJ from about a year ago. In fact, he made me watch it, and I resent him for it a little bit. 
<laughs> if you ever want to like really piss your friends off, just do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. TJ and I are still friends. So, but, so that's your free ad, terrible. Bruce. I won't charge you for that. Because um, he does. He listens to the show and he emails occasionally. So uh, we thank you for that. So uh, how about you guys? What, what are you listening to? Uh, do you want Do you want me to go first? You can go first, Walt, because I, I just recently switched it all up, so I don't really remember. All right. Um, so I listen to, like... I think I listen to the usual, like, oh, my God, you listen to NPR podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> like, Was that your best Terry Gross voice? <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't really trying, but maybe I, maybe I should next time. Um, I listen to This American Life and, like, the TED Radio Hour and Snap Judgment and Radio Lab when they do Radio Lab podcasts, which oh, is frequently... Um, and usually that, that's like a day of podcasts. Like I listen to like Monday morning and early afternoon. I listen to all my podcasts for the week or all of those podcasts. And then like throughout the week, I, I'll, I'll jump around. Like I have some that I like to listen to sometimes. Like I'll listen to, um, like the ATP, the accidental tech podcast. Yep. That's a good sometimes one I don't generally sometimes. I, I I go on and off. Like sometimes when there's a lot of Apple stuff in the news, it's really interesting to 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 listen to. Or, but um, I don't always make they 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 also tend to run really long, and I don't always make it through the whole episode. I will admit. But don't you also listen to your podcast while you're working, which to me implies not paying attention. Which I know it doesn't imply that for you. Um, yeah, I do. So when when I listen, so when I listen to ATP while I'm working, I I my my completion rate is much higher, I think, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not paying attention to the podcast. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> um, oh, I also listen to 99 percent Invisible. I forgot about that one. Oh. Uh, I I sometimes I'll listen to Ruby Rogues. I like cherry pick episodes of Ruby Rogues that sound interesting. Um. When I had, so I still haven't finished this developer's life. So I, I'm like halfway through. So that's that's one that I pick up like whenever I I run out of other podcasts, and that's what I want to do. Um, I also listen to this one which I picked a couple weeks ago, I think, called Unprofessional. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. A bunch of like these these two tech people, and they have guests on that are usually tech people, but their their rule is that they can't talk about work, so they talk about like life stuff. It's weird and nice. It's nice to listen to, um, and it's like they they usually have these people on, and they like talk about their life stories, sort of not not in a pretentious way, just in a, like, mm-hmm. I don't talk about you kind of way. Um, yeah, and that's that's pretty much it, though. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna check out this uh, Otter King's media montage. It's yeah, so it's a smart show. Uh, aside from so, I've got ATP Scott Hanselman, who is also on This Developer's Life, also has a short form podcast called Hansel Minutes, which is really good, like max thirty minutes. So maybe that would work out better for you, Colby. But it's about tech stuff. So if you look at Episodes: Learning WebGL and making 3D HTML games with David Katuhi and Babylon.js, but it's only 33 minutes long. Uh, exploring the bionic pancreas with Dr. Stephen John Russell. That one's 47 minutes long. Uh, beyond that, this week in Google is probably my favorite podcast. Like, so Jeff Jarvis uh, is a journalism professor in New York, and he's an interesting person. Has some crazy ideas. Gina Trapani, fellow Marist alumnus, uh, is a developer, and she wrote Lifehacker and founded it and also wrote some other things. So those have been really good. I started listening to, uh, thanks to uh, this Overcast app, which we'll talk about later, some other time, this podcast called Sweet Maria's Coffee, which might be the single most pretentious hour of my life that I've ever experienced. (laughs) And... I don't think there's any... It wasn't the fault of the guy. So there's this guy. He sounds like straight out of NPR. But he's 
clearly like in like Africa, just not in like a hotel room, just you know out in like a camp, and he's talking into the microphone about all the. I talked to all these people about the history of coffee here, and here's like. Uh, the the rules back in colonial times, so only certain people could grow coffee, and they kept the price down. He's going on and on and on. And he's talking about that, and he's talking about different ways that you grow coffee and how you dry it. And <coughs> it was I had almost no idea what he was talking about, but it was just bizarre enough to keep me interested. And it, like sometimes you get dropped in conversations where people. Uh, are talking about something you have no idea about, but it's the fact that you have no idea about it that makes it interesting. Anyways, that was kind of cool, but everything else I'll has already been mentioned. Thank you. That was very informative. Yeah, that was a great... We hope we uh, gave all of the, the listeners other things to listen to outside of, of course, this show, and Change Mode, which <laughs> is an equally good, if not better, podcast than most of the ones we listed, and... Uh, <laughs> I will quick tease, I'll tease it again at the end of the show, but tomorrow night, Tuesday night, night. 10 p.m. Eastern, our Swift, <laughs> I shouldn't say our, your Swift show is going to be live on air. It's very exciting. Rowing down. It's it's on. <laughs> and I'll be sitting back with my Ben and Jerry's just watching, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'll have Ben and Jerry's as well. Oh. And I'll do it while talking. That's a, that's a, bold, uh, that's a bold prediction, Dan. I hope you can live up to that. Um, very cool. Well, why don't we uh, jump into some tech news, as we are one to do. Uh, any particular story grabbing you guys you want to talk about first? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh man, there's so many good ones. I- I'll give you. I'll give you options: Microsoft layoffs or Amazon all-you-can-eat books. Ooh, because uh, I think those are kind of the two big ones of the week, in my opinion. Yeah. Let's do. Let's do. Uh, let's do Microsoft first. Well, uh, big news, Sasha Nadella teased this last week, uh, but it finally came true this week. Microsoft's big shakeup, uh, they announced that they are cutting 18,000 jobs over the next year. Um, Roughly 12,500 of those are from the incoming Nokia, uh, now that that acquisition has gone through. Um, And the vast majority of employees whose jobs will be eliminated will be notified over the next six months. Um... Uh, a lot of these layoffs are in areas including um, Nokia's uh, Android and Symbian OS areas, meaning Microsoft is essentially killing off the Nokia Android phones. Um, another interesting area that was cut it was uh, Xbox Entertainment which was the division making original content for the Xbox, including the Halo television show, um, among other areas. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'll I'll start off by saying I think it's an enormously sad time when anyone, never mind, you know, 18,000 people lose their jobs. So regardless of whether we talk whether it's a good idea or a bad idea for the company, that doesn't reflect the fact that it still sucks for 18,000 people. Um, for that to happen. What I will say is this is actually a comparatively small amount of layoffs um, compared to other, to put it in perspective, at different times, you know, Google laying off 11,000 HP, 13.5, but BlackBerry's laid off 61,000 since 2011. That's numbers since 2011 for all those? Yes. Oh, as a percentage of staff. I'm sorry. That's my apologies. So Google has laid off 11% of its staff, HP 13.5, Microsoft now with 14, and BlackBerry's laid off 61% of their staff. Since 2011. Since 2011. Uh, I had another stat here where it compared how big it was to other tech companies. Let me pull this up here. Um, unless that, that's the same graph I was just looking at. Um, no, it was the same. So, you know, this is kind of, it's a little high for the tech industry as of late, but it's certainly not unheard of. Um, did Google, I don't remember that being the news for Google though. Um, but again, it may not have happened all at once would be my guess, right? This isn't the span of now three years. So. All right. 
And not noted is the fact that Nokia has let go of more than 50,000 people since Stephen Elop, Elop took over in 2010. Oof. Which doesn't include what's just happened here. So, That's crazy. Um, I mean, I'll, I'm going to volunteer to start the discussion on this. Go for it. And say, as much as it sucks, um, this was unequivocally the right thing to do. And I believe Sasha Nadella is doing a really great job leading Microsoft. And here's why. Um, like any good tech company, over time, it gets bloated, right? You start branching out into all these new areas. Some work, some don't, but you're slow to kill them off. They hang around. They suck up money. They suck up resources. Nobody knows who's in charge of what. This happens all the time to companies. This is not new, right? Um, and yep. Microsoft has been around longer than most, if you think about it. They're one of the, the oldest, at least of that size, uh, especially when you talk about companies like Intel and HP making big cuts. Well, it's not BlackBerry. You know, they're, they're all these legacy tech companies. But I think what makes this a smart decision is not that he's just randomly slicing 18,000 jobs. It's where he's doing it, right? Everyone thought, I can't believe, you know, uh, Microsoft is buying a company in Nokia that makes Android phones. You know, that's crazy. Why would Microsoft want that? Well, smartly, he cut that. Or another thing is, why does Microsoft need to make custom content shows for Xbox? Is it really going to sell more Xboxes? If you think they about do? It? Well, that's what, that's the company, right? Remember, they announced the Halo TV show they were going to do, and there was a couple of other pilots for shows. Oh, but I, I assume those are just partnerships, or it was like Xbox Live exclusive content. Nope, they were being developed in-house in their own entertainment division, which, which is an enormous suck of money. You know, it's one thing if Amazon wants to do it or especially if a Netflix wants to do it because that's all they do. But does it really make sense for Microsoft, who makes the bulk of their money on enterprise software, to be making television shows? Yes, yeah. but on the other hand, it's often a virtue to try new things, and you have to try you, you know, like, what if Google never tried to make a self-driving car? If they're like, well, fuck that. That's well, too much work. It's just going to be a money suck. Technically, Dan, that hasn't made them any money. And it hasn't become anything yet. But would you say that it was a bad idea now? Looking back on it, from what we know now. If I were a Google investor, I might say You're, it was a bad idea because they're not seeing But what if it, it works? But what if it what doesn't? If, what if Google makes the self-driving car? How much money is that worth? And what if it never becomes anything and they just blew the, a whole bunch of money? That's the nature of the business. You're making but, bets. Right, but I see how Google... Actually, I really don't see how Google makes money on self-driving cars. But let's just say Google makes money on self-driving cars. I don't see the parallel to Microsoft making money on television shows and movies that they are, that they are financing and producing, especially considering self-driving cars is kind of a broader technology space, right? You know, it's patents and it's intellectual property and it's algorithms and it's a lot of things. A TV show is either popular or it's not, right? It, it is what it is. There's no way to break that apart and actually salvage it for money, you know? So even if Google doesn't make a self-driving car, they could power that technology. They could sell it to someone else. If the Halo TV series doesn't work, they're just out that money, period, right? And I think that's the difference. Yeah. Entertainment is so fickle. Maybe, that, yeah... I'm, what I'm trying to, I'm speaking to like the innovator's dilemma, like not becoming an IBM. Mm -hmm. Like IBM became what it is now because it, it, I'm sure in the minutia of things, it did try other, other stuff, but it didn't fundamentally try anything different. Uh, it just slowly became a business consulting company. I have a, a, a brief, brief aside. Can you spell minutia? <laughs> Ouch. Out of order, Colby. <laughs> I'm going to try anyway. M-I-N-U-T-A-I-E? I don't know how to spell it. Uh, it's, it's, that was close. It's T-I-A-E. T-I-A-E. That's closer than I would have gotten, so there you go. props there. Put, putting that college degree to use. <laughs> I had to write. I wrote an address the other day. It was, it was a weird day. I haven't written an address in a long time. People or written anything on a piece of paper for that matter. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. I, I don't think you're Microsoft and you can stop trying these crazy things that are completely outside of your business because 
the, your core business is not always going to be there. True, but is I guess maybe the entertainment is too specific of an example, but it, are, is Microsoft ever going to make the most the bulk of their money on movies and television productions? You know that seems know. so far out of their wheelhouse. I think you know when you start you talking have, about well, they used to have the whole they had a cable network at one point, right? They had a MSNBC. MSNBC, yeah. Actually, wasn't that in a trivia challenge where I probably learned about that? Probably uh, combined <laughs> names. Yeah, I mean they were, and actually they were part owner in that for a very long time, but they didn't run it. They were merely an investor. Sure. You know, um, but I guess... I think the trick is you have to know when to cut it off. And I think Google's been getting better and better at this. Uh, and it's something, you know, that worries me a lot about a lot of companies. Is that, you know, if... It, I, I don't know. I kind of... Innovator's dilemma. I, I look at this, of course, unsurprisingly, from Sasha Nadella's shoes looking at investors, right? Their stock price has been flat forever. It is the most boring stock on earth. It never goes up. It never goes down. It just stays the same. So if I'm sitting in the CEO shoes, I say, I have to do something to get investors excited. How do you do that? Either make more money or save money or something like that, right? And how do you do that? Eliminate bloat. So you look at the list and you say, what don't we need here at Microsoft? The division that makes TV and movies? We don't need that. Android phones? Why would we make those? You know, do I understand the long-term prospect? Sure. I don't think, like, Google is absolutely in a place to be making those bets. Microsoft is not the company to be placing those bets, at least not Sure, today. but they're going to have to start placing them again well, soon. Well, you're right, but I think these cuts put them in that place, right? So now sure. they can take the yeah. money they just freed up and invest them in Azure and invest them in universal apps and invest them in areas that are going to show them promise down the road. Yeah. You know, Windows Phone, which they're horribly stagnant in. Except in Europe, right? Yeah, around the world, it's very. You're you're absolutely right, but that's you won't you won't make a bulk of your money off that. At least not these days. You will if you get it into China. Um, that is true. That is true, but I well, I that's a whole other debate for yeah. another day. <laughs> that goes far beyond this. Um, but it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it sucks that they're cutting jobs, but I think it was done in the right areas smartly. You know, they didn't just cut little pieces here and there and they didn't cut off any you know anything particularly important i don't think anyway but i don't know if you guys disagree or i i I don't think i disagree It it is like interesting to see a tech company uh not doing the oh we'll do this too and this and this and like not or or cutting some I like dropping some things versus the the opposite, which has been the trend for the last like six months or a year, where like I don't know, everyone's getting all up in each other's stuff. That <laughs> yeah, well, and which feels bad like many times. Yeah, yeah, it does it does feel bad, but but then. Maybe I'll ask you this then. If if Microsoft has decided that Xbox Studios is a bad investment, what does that say about Xbox as a whole? Well, I think it, it speaks to what Xbox is not... Like, Xbox is a content delivery system, a medium, perhaps. Um... <laughs> Just because like the ex- uh, Microsoft isn't isn't the one producing the content does not not mean that their their medium is not is not valuable. It's my it's my understanding that Xbox is profitable. Yes, but not as profitable as other. But see, that's and that's I don't think anyone says to shut down Xbox. Really, the theory is to spin them off into a separate company. So Microsoft doesn't have to feed resources into them, and they do it as a stock split. So every investor of Microsoft stock gets one stock in Xbox Incorporated um, and let it run as its own company so it's not on Microsoft's balance sheets. That's kind of the leading theory as to what to do with Xbox. I guess I don't know enough about anything to understand why that's a good idea. It's just... Does it be like Google's... I don't know. When you get like Google saying, "Well, Android isn't really making us a lot of money," 
it's pretty successful, but like, you know, search is really our thing. So we're just going to spin that off into a separate company and we don't have to put resources into it. Well, a lot of, I mean, it's not uncommon. It's just the idea that Microsoft is in so many areas and their balance sheet is so complicated that if they spin it off into its own company, they still are the majority shareholders. They still make the money from it. But A, they can raise money through stock. Not necessarily raise money, but they get their stock becomes more valuable because it's paired with the Xbox stock. And if anything happens to Xbox or whatever, it's no longer on their balance sheet. So investors can say, oh, I hate, why does Microsoft own Xbox? That's an entertainment device. It has nothing to do with business. You know, then they can say they don't own it anymore. I know, it's really complicated, and it's it, annoying. I guess, it, I guess in a way it does, it does make, like, in, it probably gives, it, like, some investors some incentive over... Um, what am I trying to say? Investing in Microsoft, the large conglomerate that Microsoft is of many things, like is much probably a little a little more daunting than investing in Xbox, which is one thing of that that thing. Like it's simpler, it's easier to digest. Yeah, that like, makes sense. You could. It's much easier to reason about the success of Xbox on its own than it is to to reason about the success of Microsoft in which one of which one one small part is Xbox. Um you know it's interesting. Most people, you know, you don't think about it, but Microsoft within itself has 16 separate billion dollar businesses. Just within the company themselves, which you could all spin off into their own company. That's why people have been saying for years you should break Microsoft up. We're not getting our value for our stock having all of these billion dollar separate businesses under one header. So. Okay. Yeah, I understand the. Uh, but this isn't a stock show either, so. I understand. I, I agree that it, splitting it makes it easier to decide which you want to invest in and which you don't. Which I. That's a, that's a fair argument. Yeah. I think it like it makes I don't know. Like what I said before. Never mind. I already said what I said. Money, am I right? Uh <laughs> yes, yeah, invest in the sexy company that is Microsoft. Um they make the Xbox. So uh why don't we move on and talk about uh another company that's having content issues and that would be uh Amazon. You may know them as the website that will sell you books online, uh, but they also do more than that. They announced this week what they're calling Kindle Unlimited. That's right, Kindle Without Limits. It's a $9.99 a month subscription reading service uh, that, which I hate, I hate, I'm just going to say, I hate when people say it's the Netflix of blank, right? You know, it's the Netflix of books or the... That's what this entire article is. That's what they talk about. I know, about. But, and, and it's, it's really irritating, but we can't do, I'm not going to do any better. So it's the Netflix of books. It's an all-you-can-eat uh, book subscription service that they claim has more than 600,000 books and, quote, thousands of audiobook titles uh, available to Kindle Unlimited subscribers. Um, however, what is interesting of this service is A... Uh, they have deals with virtually none of the five major publishers, uh, so most of the books on there are from smaller or independent publishers. The thousands of audiobooks they have are not nearly uh, the sheer selection they have on the company they own, Audible, um, that they have there. It's just a small portion of that. It doesn't... They... So what? they have they have audiobooks, but it's like such a sm it's less than like one percent of the books on the service have au the audiobooks included. That's silly. They do, however, give you a thirty day trial, free trial of Audible, something like that. But that's all you get. Um, and it's interesting to note that this is not included in Amazon Prime, like most of the other services they've announced, including Amazon Music. Uh, Amazon Kindle Lending Library and Amazon uh, Instant Streaming. Uh, this is a separate fee at nine ninety nine a month. So, uh, let's ask you guys: How are you feeling about Kindle Unlimited? So I looked at every book in my wish list, all fifty so or so of them, and absolutely none of them were in this Kindle Unlimited thing. 
the audiobooks I was a little more excited about, uh, but I didn't really look into it. And I don't drive anymore, so I, the need for like a 40-hour experience isn't as pressing. <laughs> uh, although, if you're driving any distance, any especially an hour or more every day, audiobooks are amazing. I, I, loved, uh, my, I loved my Audible subscription when I drove a lot. Yeah. And, you know, the great thing is, if you're not even driving that much, if you just do, like, weekend things, you can buy one Audible book, and it'll last you for, like, a couple months, mm -hmm. which is great. If you can stand to not finish it when you're not in the car, I, which I have had that problem. That was actually how I read The Name of the Wind the first time, was on audiobook, and I got back. I drove from Boston to Connecticut, and then I remember lying on the couch, holding the phone up and just listening to the rest of it, like, hours it's like, I don't have the book, I don't want to go get it, I just want to fish it now. But anyways, this is not an Audible ad. The other thing I noticed is that, uh, yes, all the books they have are either really small or just so obscenely popular that you will have already read them and probably owned them. Like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Yes, I do love that those two series. But I already own them, physically. And I, rare, I, don't, I rarely buy books that I own physically in Kindle. Whereas I'm much more liable to do the other way around. If I buy it on Kindle and I really like it, I'll buy the physical copy. But anyways, I'm, yeah. I wish it was more awesome. I feel like Oyster has a better selection, which I picked a while back. They do. They, they, have, they have deals with two of the five major publishers. Yeah, and so I went, in a couple months, I went through all the books I wanted to read, but it was a really good value. Like, I came out ahead of what I would have spent on Kindle. That's cool. Um... Personally, I have two things. One, I read slow, and I don't. Th I think I read slower than I spend ten dollars a month on books. Um, so it's probably not worth it for that. And also, I I just read the books that Dan tells me to read. So <laughs> Can't, honestly, that's a good strategy. If all of the books he wants to read aren't aren't on in this, then the books I will read in the future are also <laughs> not in this. So what's the point? Could have said it better myself. <laughs> Cheers. Um yeah, I mean I agree. I think the selection's weak. The big problem I have is with these all you can eat subscription services where you have to figure out that point of value, right? If I'm not that hungry, I'm not going to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? Because I'm only going to get one plate, and I don't feel I'm going to get value. This article point, uh, on The Verge has an interesting point. The average person in 2013 spent 2.8 hours a day oh, watching TV. Yeah. 2.8 hours a day watching TV. To me, that validates me paying for Netflix, right? At, what is it now, $9.99 a month. I get unlimited streaming, but if I'm watching three hours a day... Like, that's really good value. However, according to this, the average American spends about six minutes reading every day. How do you make up $10 of value at that? Now, of course, that's average. It doesn't reflect And everybody. I tried to find whatever source they were using for this, which they did not specify, and I couldn't come up with every other thing I found was higher than that. Because if you think about it, people read all the freaking time. Like, does reading the newspaper count? Does reading oh, The no, Verge count? You're, you're right, but even but that's even if that's true, that's not necessarily what this is about, right? This is about books, which, which is yeah, a totally different beast. I mean, I, I enjoy reading. I get through maybe a book a month, maybe two books a month. I, I you know, even at the price of what e-books are these days, I mean, most of the books I'm buying are $9.99, you know? So... If they right. had the selection, even if I got it and read one book a month, I'm breaking even. So anything on yeah. top of that's gravy. I get that. Yep. It's just – and then you throw – if they had a better – it's selection. I really think it's selection. And uh, for my pick this week, I'm reviewing Amazon uh, Prime Music. And unsurprisingly, there's a similar problem. If the content isn't there, it's just not worth it. If this were part of Amazon Prime – I'd say, okay, that's great. And they kind of have that with the Prime Lending Library, except you only get one mm -hmm. book a month. It's not unlimited. Yep. I did notice, though, that they have the Lonely Planet eBooks, which are not page-for-page -page for the full uh, Lonely Planet books, but I noticed at least a couple of those were in the Kindle Unlimited, which is really awesome if you just find yourself saying, oh, holy crap, I'm going to like 
the UK, let me get the Lonely Planet book for every country. Well, that'd be like 50 bucks, but here it'll only be $10. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Yeah. But unfortunately, I already bought all the ones I need. Yeah, and I think you're going to get part, a good chunk of your value out of really cool independent things like guides and user manuals and yeah. trainings. and all, all the Lonely Planet books are on Kindle Unlimited. That Which is be, great. Actually, I might just get it just to look at, read them all. That's what I'm saying. I think I think that could be an interesting way to position this, but yeah. I, it, it's it's a tough sell. I think Amazon until they have deals, and who knows when that's going to happen, considering how badly the publishers hate Amazon. Um, <laughs> without the deals, they're kind of dead in the water. Yeah, they burn those bridges. <laughs> yes, indeed. So uh, there's, I don't want to jump ahead, but there's one article I do really want to talk about. Well, we should talk about it. Because this article basically made me stand up and cheer when this was announced. Okay. I'm really excited to know what it is. The European Commission has laid out a series of guidelines, and Google has agreed to already be part of those guidelines, and saying that if an app require, has in-app purchases, it cannot be listed as free. Woo! We did it! We did it. That was all us. We actually I, we did. Europe did it. I, yeah, I was about to say I don't know about that, but this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. We've talked endlessly on the show about how in-app purchases have completely fucked with the app marketplace and how apps are written and how they work and how they're purchased. And Polius can't even listen to this. He's he's I, so pissed off. He's so he stormed off left the room for you audio listeners he, he threw up both middle fingers and just stormed right out uh tossed his beer can over his shoulder and it just <laughs> my beer was there yeah um yes I I, interrupt his monologue but no it's yeah. such good i'm colby interrupt me all you want i'm so excited i think it's honestly i think it's a really good thing because uh. it really now, at this point, when I'm looking at free apps, if it says, and Apple is decent about this, at least in the App Store, underneath the free button, it says in-app purchases. The first thing I do, if it looks like a good app, is I look to see what the in-app purchases is, because usually that'll give you a clue. If it says 25 coins, 50 coins, 100 coins, 1,000 coins, immediately, I'm not interested, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's something like <laughs> Overcast, like which Dan mentioned, where it's unlock everything for 99, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. You know, if it's a functionality, you know, whatever. Um, but I just think, I don't know, actually, I think, I think it's good and I'm excited and I think it's good for the consumers. I have no idea what it will do to Google's app store because Google makes a, what did we say? It was like 90% of their revenue is through in-app purchases and the rest is through regular app purchases. So what does it mean that now all of these apps that used to say free no longer say free on them? Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe it means people will start paying for apps on Android. Well, that's, uh, well, that's what I'm asking. Do you think that's that'll crazy actually happen? No. I know I've, I've observed a phenomenon across both platforms where there are just people who do not buy apps no matter what. They just like, what do you mean? I'm going to pay 99 cents for this thing? Why would I do that when I could pay for, uh, you know, I could pay nothing, like Instagram, or, you know, I don't know. And that makes me sad. I'd also like to point out, don't forget that this is the same European Union who told us that we have the right to be forgotten, so don't get too excited. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, and I think that's fair. But just I, I think it's just really good news that it, it's 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 bait and switch to me. It's false advertising in a sense, especially games. Games are especially bad when, when they say it's free and you yeah. go in thinking it's free. And you know what? It's not free. No matter even if they say, well, you can play without buying, but they make it stupid difficult and it's just irritating. And, and you know, do they make a lot of money? Sure. But I don't know. There's just something. I don't, and I don't even care for this like whole, you know, oh, children click and spend money on their parents' credit card. We have to protect the children. I don't even care or buy that, honestly. Think of the children, Sean. Think of the children. I know, but it's, but maybe the parents shouldn't be letting them play with devices unsupervised. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you're not a good parent. I don't know, but 
<laughs> but it's just something about the the core psychology and philosophy of it. Just that they're not free. Don't say they're free. It's it's ba- and, you know it's like when you go to a gas station and you pay with your credit card, and all of a sudden the price is ten cents higher than what it was on the sign. Ah, uh, it's things like you. that. That's what I'm saying. That really pisses me off, and I'm glad somebody finally said in-app purchases mean the game is not free. Right? To me, that makes yeah. sense. I guess it yeah. took the European Commission to make it a law. I agree. You know, you know what? I, 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 I'm glad because now I won't have to download apps in, to realize that I don't want it. I'll just <laughs> realize I don't want it and not download it in the first place. Chloe, do you pay for apps on Android? Uh, I have paid for apps on Android. If there is an app that is, like, mildly useful and not terrible and it has banner ads, I will pay the in-app purchase to get rid of the fucking banner ads. Oh, yeah. Um, because the banner ads are really bad. Or they're really annoying and they're just, they usually make things slow and crappy. So. And that's um, Go ahead. hmm? I was just going to say that does not happen often. I like I did that for like the the Muni the bus transit app that I use. And that's pretty much it. I I other than that I think I guess I I bought Pocket Casts which but the, I don't think that was an in-app, per, in-app purchase. I think that was just like I paid to download it. Um yeah, well, that's fine. That's what I meant. But I'm right. I mean, considering Apple won't let you do app trials and things like that, they make you buy it if you want to own it. I actually am a big fan of features as in-app purchases, right? I mean, as long as they yeah. don't give you a hobbled version, give you, you know, Overcast is a good example, but to give you a bait, there's a, a a weather radar app I use. And they say, if you want to remove ads, it's 99 cents. If you want National Weather Service alerts, it's 99 cents. If you want hurricane alerts, it's 99 cents. Well, I don't need hurricane alerts, but I do want to remove ads, right? They're giving me the option to choose my features based on money. They're getting paid, but it's not bait and switch because the app works fine if I don't buy any of them. To me, that is a really smart workaround of the app store in the system that doesn't allow you to try apps. So I actually really support things like that. Um, it, it's just this games BS of coins and bucks and whatever. I, yeah, no, you're me. right. I mean, I think the... I don't think there are m- many, like... Well, I'm sure there are. But I haven't come across many, like, not-game apps that are that that seem seem like... The way they're using NF purchases is abusive. It's more like you know, get rid of these ads for mm-hmm. a couple bucks. And I'm I I get it. And I it's don't know. it's a much smarter model than having two apps, a free version and a paid version, right? You're getting all your reviews on one app. You're getting all your downloads through one app. You're not confusing people by having two. Instead, you're just adding and removing features. It's brilliant, I think. Um, and, right. And, Remember the days of light apps? Oh my apps? god, that was so annoying. <laughs> You're totally right. So I, that's why I, I like the in-app purchase thing. I'd like to see more apps doing that for features, not for BS. Though, so I feel like it does muck up the whole like top app lists thing. If you think about it, like what is what is Overcast? It'll be on the free if were it a top app, which I can't imagine a podcast app will be a top app in the app store. Like, would it? it is it on the free? the free list and does that make sense like well are the app lists just dumb i know i know i i correct me if i'm wrong i feel like there's some criticism of of app the app lists in in the app store anyways but um yeah i haven't heard anything recently i know at one point there was like you could hire just like uh where you could buy followers on twitter and things like that you could buy to get your app up the rankings by having fake downloads and things like that. I haven't heard anything of that recently, but to me, I actually don't mind Overcast being in the free list because it is a free app, right? I mean, it works perfectly fine free. I wouldn't call it stripped or hobbled or anything like that. It's a good podcast app when it's free. You just don't get all the features, but that's my yeah. opinion. But I think that's a fair point. Um, 
We have time for one quick story. Quick story. Um, <sighs> I know, and please, <laughs> if you don't want to talk about this, it's perfectly all right. Facebook saves. Yeah, if you want to get me angry, we can talk about the Airbnb logo, too. But if you don't want to get me angry... I want to get... Uh, I, I had my angry moment, Dan. Now it's your turn. So go ahead. Let's let's talk. I'll just briefly say Facebook announced that uh, it's going to let you save places, music, links, and other things through the apps and on the web to a kind of central repository, um, which will sync across all your devices. That's rolling out over the next week on Android, iOS, and the web. I think it's awesome uh, because I can't tell you how many times I've been on my phone, saw something, and wanted to save it for later, and was like, but there's no way to... You know, that's what I use favorites on Twitter for, right? I save tweets I want to look at later. Um this is actually a super awesome feature, so I approve. But look for that coming. But yeah, so let's talk about Airbnb. What's the story, Dan? Uh, first of all, it was it was kind of stupid. I think it was kind of silly on Airbnb's part to make such a big deal about this because they kind of set themselves up for backlash in a way. Uh, but all these people were like, oh my gosh, this logo looks like the combination of every possible private part <laughs> every does. genitalia yeah but it looks like everything else it looks like the letter a it looks like a heart it looks like the infinity sign it looks like i don't know a bent paper clip a bent paper clip it looks <laughs> like it's it's so nondescript and uh, i don't know are people are just people are haters Oh, interesting. So, so are you you're pro the logo and con haters? Yeah, <laughs> Dan is con haters. Reason, I am con haters. <laughs> I thought you were gonna be pro haters and con the logo. Be hater yourself. <laughs> I guess. Um, no, I thought that's what you would be angry about. I didn't no. see. I didn't realize there was backlash. Oh I mean, yeah, people. Well. So one thing was that people were like, oh, it's, it's so, how did no one see this? And it's like, okay, you, people get your minds out of the gutter. The other thing that people were upset about that made me even more upset was they were like, oh, Airbnb is so full of shit when they talk about like, oh, we're like connecting people and we're like making these new experiences. Like Airbnb was talking about it in very lofty terms. They weren't really talking about the logo. They were clearly trying to talk about their brand using the redesign as a way to like re-energize their brand's message but in my experience in airbnb like the i have connected with people i never would have otherwise talked to in ways i never could have imagined and it's been awesome and so all these people will say like oh that's just such a such a crock of shit why don't they just tell us you know, though you rent rooms and you pay us money and that's it why don't they just be honest and it's like because it, it is more than that it is more than that and just renting the room, you could do that anywhere. You could do it for cheaper sometimes. Airbnb is not always the best choice. Sometimes, or not always the cheapest choice. Sometimes it is the cheapest. Oftentimes it's not. You're doing it for something more than that, and it is the human element. It's being connected with the person who owns your room instead of that mystery person who you figure will probably come into your room while you're out for the day, but you don't want them to really know who they are, and you don't care about them. You just want them to make your bed. That's what I rebel against. That 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 not wanting that, that wanting to actually know the person who goes into your room, that wanting that is stupid, I reject. I think it's great. And I approve of their re re-energization. Well, and to and to back you up, and I think you're right, Dan, and I think people do you know, blow up these things for no good reasons, but you know, if if people aren't comfortable with Airbnb talking very about belonging and, and being a part of the you know Every brand you've ever heard of has a document that talks about how great it is and people love it and it's about a sense of happiness and belonging and friendship and it just never gets published, right? And, and <laughs> you know, you you laugh. I've seen some of these documents. They're friggin' ridiculous. Nobody loves Tide detergent like people think, like Tide thinks people do. So Yeah, but Airbnb is that. Like, it is about people. Is it, though? It's a business. It is. It's about making money, Dan. That's all businesses are. No, I reject that. <laughs> uh, Some most businesses, not even most, 
just the most visible businesses are all about making money. Like Google and Tide Detergent and Goldman Sachs are very amoral by their very existence. But most it's true. They're literally only out to make money, and that is the only thing they can do. I don't like, think. Okay, I'm not saying companies are only out to make money. I'm saying money is the number one priority. There can be other priorities, but none come before making money. Because if you don't make money, you're not a business. You're just people doing things for fun. Sure. Um, I don't know. What but that's mean. not the whole identity of a company. There's so much more than yeah, that. That's true. Like. Your favorite little coffee shop, independent coffee shop, that's a business. Is its only goal to make money? Its primary goal should be to make money. Or else I it would go out of business that. and not exist I, anymore. Oh uh, Well, I think making money is a necessity to being a business. But a small business's primary goal could be completely different. If, if it was their goal to make money, their aims would be far higher than just a coffee shop. They would want to be Starbucks, but these people don't want to do that because their goal isn't to make money. Well, but to make money doesn't mean make a lot of money. It means make enough money, right? You, you, want, you want that local coffee shop to be good at making money because, again, if they don't, they're going to go out of business. So Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, I also wanted to talk about um, a thing that really bugs me, and that's... I think Airbnb, along with this new logo announcement, uh, showed off a uh, redesign of their webpage. I think it looks good. I also think it looks like everything else on the internet these days, which is really <laughs> bumming me out. Like, their logo is so flat and predictable outside of the potentially profane logo. Like, the font is boring. The, the, the identity's boring. The website is predictable. Like The HTML5 video in the back is kind of cool. Uh, I, have, I... I have not seen that. Um, one of them, I recognize, one of them is, like, Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. And oh, I, saw, wow. I was watching it, and I was like, whoa, I know where that is! I know where <laughs> that, that grill is. It was crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. But, anyway, I, yeah, I just... I agree, I agree with that, Sean. I don't know. It's not bad, it's I just... I do think that it, it's an improvement upon what they had before. I was oh, yeah. actually using the website right before this to do some heavy airbnb -ing. <laughs> uh, and it was like the favorites list was pretty weird and looking back on it the logo was kind of stupid like what were the clouds for it looked exactly like the old twitter logo oh, you're right but i don't know if this is a move in the right for a company that's all about belonging and connections why do you make a very sterile predictable website there's nothing warm to me there's nothing warm and inviting about their straight lines and their flat font and they're you know i don't know it just seems like a thousand other startups that's all i'm saying mm -hmm. um i don't know maybe it's like one thing you do get with the flat stuff is your the the pictures are more important right actually i just went to one of the listing pages for the first time and like it's huge, like, it, it's this giant picture of the place. Like, that's really cool. I don't know. You guys I, are the web I, designers. I argue uh, that designer correct. is a strong term. <laughs> Dan is correct. I, I, put it this way, I trust those to-do list apps we're going to see tomorrow on Change Mode are going to be beautiful. <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah, uh-huh. Mine is... I'll, I'll, I prefer the term minimalist. Minimalist. That is a, that is a style. So yeah. You know yeah. Very Johnny Ive in its approach to uh, functionality. <laughs> um, why don't we leave it at See, that note? And uh, we got to move on to picks in the interest of time. Good discussion. Uh, I want to remind everyone out there listening live, hashtag don't panic show is a way to reach us uh, if you had thoughts on anything we talked about or our picks, which are coming up right now. Uh, I'm going to jump in and go first. It's going to be quick. This is a review pick. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before, and it is Amazon Prime Music. Uh, it is the free music service Amazon announced, I don't know what, a month ago, two months ago, um, that you get with your Amazon Prime yearly subscription. And the promise is a, I don't really know, Spotify competitor, you know, in that sort of music streaming space. And all you can eat music streaming service 
uh, available on their website and through various apps. So I have my iPad here. So I'll just, it's just like every other music service you've ever used where they have all of your albums. Now, to me, one of the big bonuses is when I buy music, I buy it through Amazon. I like their MP3 store. So what's good is it kind of merges that with the Prime stuff in one app, which is nice. Um, going through the, here's uh, Journey's Greatest Hits, for example. Here it is on Prime, and you see next to all of them, you get the little blue check mark saying, hey, it's good, it's Prime. Um, you just select, we won't do Don't Stop Believing, that's a little over, we'll do Faith, <laughs> which is a great song. <laughs> and then just like that, it uh, it starts playing. We won't play too much, because I don't want to get sued by the uh, Journey people, but... Um, <laughs> too late! You can add the album or individual songs to your library and you keep it with your music. There's also another cool feature called Prime Playlists. Um, these are supposedly curated by experts. I don't know what that means. But they're themed playlists that are predetermined and pre... So there's uh, 50 great epic classic rock songs and uh, 50 great 80s rock songs and uh, I Heart Pop Hits and Relaxing Indie Rock and Singing in the Shower. There's a whole bunch of them. Um... Other than that, it's just like any other music service you've ever used. Uh, it is iOS, Android, and on the web. My review of actually using it for a month now, um, it's good. There's there's nothing particularly wrong with it. The app, it's good. Um, the apps work well. They get the job done. The, the stream is nice. I think the app is nice. I've been using the app for my purchased music before. It's nice to have that all in one place. Um, it's easy to add music to your library. I find the playlist to be pretty decent. Predictable, but decent, and I think those will get better over time. However, the music selection isn't good. I'm not going to say it sucks, because that's not fair. They do have music, but I would say as I'm going through and like, oh yeah, I like that band, let's see if they have their music, or oh, look at this similar song, I want to include that, I'm probably hitting a quarter of the songs I want are on Prime. I mean, it's really, it, it's staggering how much is missing. I mean, again, it's not barren. It's not blank. There is music. But I can't really recommend it for someone who isn't willing to be flexible and get over it if they don't have their song. You know, the selection is just not there. It's the same thing with Kindle Unlimited. If you have Prime, try it. See if your music is there. And if it is, I think it's a pretty good service, and I think it's compelling, and you pay for it through Prime anyway, so you might as well use it. Um, but until they get more music on there, it's like, it just feels, you know, like it's missing a piece, which is disappointing. So the technology's good, the promise is good. Without the right songs, it's a, it's a swing and a miss. So that's my review of Amazon Prime Music. I still think people should buy Prime. I still think at $99 a year, Prime is an excellent deal. Um... And it's it you're willing to get over not having all the songs because you you get so much other value. But that's my thoughts on Prime Music. Cool. Uh, can I go next? What was that? Can I go next? Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> Thanks. No. <laughs> no. Um, so my my pick this week is this website called RoadTrippers.com, and. Uh, so my my I was on vacation last week. My girlfriend was visiting, uh, and we 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 kind of did a mini road trip down, like kind of south of San Francisco, south of San Francisco Bay to like Santa Cruz and Monterey. Um, did some beach stuff and things, but like to plan out our trip, we use this website called Road Trippers, which is basically like it's kind of like Google Maps. Like there's a giant map. And you put in where you're going, or where you're starting, and where you're going. Um, but then their their gimmick is it like they help you pick things to stop and see along the way. So so they'll show you like all kinds of like sites and restaurants and and parks and and naturey things within a given a specified radius of like of your your route so you pick your route and then say you you want to find a, ho a hotel to stay in so you you select the hotels category and all these like pins pop up with hotels that you can pick um so it was 
it's kind of cool. It's like useful if you're doing if you're planning a road trip. Um, there's a bunch of rough edges. They they so in the in the middle of us figuring this out, they like updated their website and it got like a million times better. Like before it it almost worked and it would like memory leak and crash your Chrome chat tab like every 15 minutes. Um, so it's <laughs> it's a lot better now. It still does some weird stuff. Like I I get the the tutorial thing every time I go to it, which is really annoying. Um, but if if you're planning a road trip, you should check it out. It's kind of neat. Now this is I'm looking at this. This is really interesting. But I'm curious where they're pulling all of the data from because I just I, for example I looked up Poughkeepsie and Mole Mole came up and they're pictures and descriptions and the address and all kinds of stuff is this are they scraping google or something or, or so is... i you know you know i have no idea like it seems to me like they have all these like you can write reviews of places on on their website and like upload pictures on their website i don't know if they're supplementing i i would imagine that they're they're like supplementing their their database of places somehow because it seems pretty good we found a bunch of places to go and they were all they were all legit and um one one thing i did notice they they didn't have like tons of pictures of the place of of many places Mm -hmm. there would be like one or two so you know maybe maybe that's they kind of like seeded their database with a bunch of places from some some third party or something and yeah it's pretty impressive well, for a uh, a new company so yeah. yeah this is neat i like this roadtrippers.com neat all right dan why don't you take us home yeah um so the last week the destiny beta finally came out uh, Colby was road tripping in Santa Cruz, uh, so I had to play it by myself for like a day. But I actually had a lot of friends who ended up with this, so it worked out fine. I don't need you anymore, Colby. Just, just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, so, so Destiny is this game for the PS4 and the PS3 and the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One. Uh, it's the new game by the Halo folks, so... And, but it's not just a first-person shooter. It's built as, like, a first-person shooter and an RPG game and, like, a multiplayer game and a single-player game and an MMO, like, all combined. Now, I was very skeptical that this could ever work. Uh, so I got the beta, and it is awesome. Uh, there's a dog on the screen now, so totally <laughs> sidetracked. <laughs> was crying sorry i didn't want to uh, interrupt you that's all right that's all right we forgive you cute puppy dog uh but anyways so here's here's what it is it's basically the borderlands done really really well with amazing multiplayer which is what i now realize is all i really wanted from borderlands beyond what it offered because borderlands is a lot of fun for like a bit like you know if you have like a rainy weekend and your friends are locked in a room. It was tons of fun. Uh, but it kind of grew old pretty quickly. The The multiplayer in this game really is great. It reminds me of like Unreal Tournament, like the old school games where you're just... It's not like Call of Duty where you can take like six bullets to the chest and then you're fine. You get one shot and you're pretty much dead unless the guy like totally missed. Or gal. Uh... Which endears it to my heart. You can also jump really high, which, for whatever reason, I'm really good with games where gravity is weird. Uh, it's really good. It's really polished. I'm looking forward to it coming out in September. Play with Colby for a little bit. It was tons of fun. I also appreciate probably my number one feature, and I've seen a lot of people complain about this online, so I'm a little bit nervous. But my number one favorite feature is that voice chat is not enabled in multiplayer for everyone. So you can't hear... 11-year-old Johnny screaming his head off, and you can't hear, you know, asshole whoever swearing at everyone who gets killed. It just makes the experience so much better. But if you're playing with people you are friends with, you can hear them, which is great. It's oh, that's great. cool. That's smart. And Call of Duty is just such a 
like staring down like the armpit of humanity with these people in these games. <laughs> it's just awful. This feels so much better. And I'm sure those people are there. I, they're on the other side. I just can't hear them. I can't <laughs> see them. Like it's great. Like when we were when we were playing that first multiplayer game and and I killed like one person and died sixty seven times. It was like I'm sure there were people on our team like swearing swearing at me <laughs> for being dead weight because I was dead weight. Um, yeah. but like I didn't know and I didn't have to know. I was just doing my thing poorly, but I was yeah. doing it and no one was bugging me. And like I could talk to you and Sal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. And I think so. I think there are two two things that it has better uh it has on Borderlands. One one is a multiplayer, uh maybe it's three things. The multiplayer, one it's a fun shooter. Like Borderlands wasn't a uh yeah, it's just better. It didn't, it didn't it's feel no different really, but it's just somehow better. The, right. It's it's the like Borderlands was like Kind of like a Valve shooter, like it was fun, but it was weird, and like <laughs> I don't know. It this has this has more of like it's it's almost like a cross between Halo and Call of Duty. Like you you die faster than in Halo, but you also like it feels faster. Like Call of Duty, I don't know. It's fun, yeah. um, it's and also you don't have to like. The other thing that I like is the, like, amount of stuff you have to stop and pick up is toned down, like, all you did in Borderlands was pick things up off the ground. <laughs> that was the whole game. Like, you shot people and then picked stuff up off the ground. Um, and that is, the, there, there are still, like, select things to pick up, but one, you don't have to press a button to pick things up. You just walk over them. And... Two, there's not nearly as much stuff, so that's much more satisfying, and I enjoy it a lot more. It feels less like chores and more like living the dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Uh, alrighty, well that uh, brings us to the uh, the end of tonight's show. We hope all of you out there enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, I do want to take this opportunity to tease tomorrow night, Tuesday. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, a brand new episode of Change Mode starring none other than Colby and Dan, who will be walking through their to-do list apps made in Swift. It's going to be fun. (laughs) And I think you should join us. Uh, That show, and you can also get this show at uh, coffeeandbeer.tv. Uh, there are the, all of the links to get this show in audio, video, download, subscribe, social media, links, all of that good stuff is available there. Check it out. Um, and we appreciate you guys being part of the show. Thanks to Colby and Dan as well. Uh, another great episode. We'll be back next Monday night with an all-new Don't Panic. Uh, it'll be fun for the whole family. You should definitely join us live at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at our website, don'tpanic.io. Um, On behalf of the whole crew, we'll wish you all a uh, good night. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week on yet another episode of Don't Panic. This show is brewed fresh weekly by the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. Get all our shows at our website, coffeeandbeer.tv.